Welcome to Mongo in the Morning. I'm going to be your host, Anthony Mongo Mangaluzzo. We're going to be taking a look at on this podcast the most important position in all of sports, the quarterback position. And this is the final episode of the Elite 11 series. We've been covering 12 of the best prospects from the 2017 recruiting class. And we're ending on the very best one, I would say, in Tua Tungavailoa. Tua has just won over the hearts of college football and is now winning over the hearts of NFL and especially Miami Dolphins fans who believe that he is the future of the organization. Tua has had just an amazing journey getting to this point of being a, a top five draft pick and and it is really exciting for, for me to be covering him, just seeing and, and following him from his very days as a, a recruit to, to now being a face of an NFL franchise. So it's it's really cool just to see where he is at now. And I'm really hoping that he'll continue on with this kind of success. So a lot of you guys might know that he played at Alabama. Now he is quarterback. Number one, not the starting quarterback, but that is his number. He's He went from number 13 to number one, and he is from Ua Beach, Hawaii, and was born March 2nd, 1998. He is six feet tall and 217 pounds, so a good firm build there. And touching on some of his early childhood impact and memories, he was a right-handed person. I guess he wasn't like quarterback then, but his father trained him to throw left-handed. So that that, that has some etchings in there as a, a Todd Marinovich kind of story. Those of you who don't know, Todd Marinovich was, was basically trained to be a left-handed quarterback by his father and had basically, I think he had his arm taped to his body at one point just so he would practice using his left hand and it's a really weird story they did a 30 for 30 on it and it's I mean it's really good 30 for 30 because Murnovich was a a highly touted quarterback from USC who went on to play for the Oakland Raiders back in their heyday so it, it it's pretty cool just to I mean it wasn't pretty cool it's just an interesting I didn't really think about that until now just seeing the the comparisons behind two fathers wanting their their sons to be left-handed. I mean, my father's left-handed, but he never taped my arm down. So maybe it's not just a lefty thing, maybe. Yeah, and so his dad really just did that because he was left-handed and he wanted him to have – he wanted to, like, have another person to throw the ball with left-handed. And Tua actually has a brother who plays now formerly for Alabama and just transferred to Maryland who's right-handed. So he didn't force all his sons to be left-handed, just to clarify. And his father had a really big impact on him, and it still really plays a big role in his life and his decision-making. When, when Tua wasn't playing that well in, in his early years, I'm not sure if it was middle school or high school or elementary school, but his dad basically would use the belt on him, and I don't agree with some of that. In terms of it just playing poorly, I mean, my, my father was hard on me by playing, but he did not use the belt after games. And 
but that that's something that pushed Tua because he really wanted to make his his father proud, and that meant a lot to him. And and yeah, I'm not gonna get into that too much. It is that's yeah, I'm I'm not a parent yet, so. But that's that's just interesting tactics. Probably the wrong thing to do, if I would have to say. But yeah, so. <laughs> So his dad also had kind of the final say into to where he's going to go to school. He was the one who made the final decision in Tua committing to Alabama. And the family picked up from their, from their home in Hawaii and, and moved out to Alabama and found some jobs. I don't know if the Crimson Tide had any help with them finding jobs, but they were able to find jobs in Alabama. And, and they really wanted to be where Tua was playing. And that's, I mean, that's, that's cool just to see the, the connection this family had. I mean, it was, there's definitely some things that need to be looked at a bit more, but yeah, we're, um, yeah. So Tua got to campus 2017 and really was just the backup quarterback to Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. It's almost a similar scenario to what happened with Kelly Bryant at Clemson. Like he, he, he was a player who led Alabama to a national championship game and 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 was winning a lot of games with them. Was only only really he never won the the national championship, but he he did get them there. And and only a year ahead of Tua, he was going to be the guy at Alabama. But then Jalen struggled. And he struggled throughout the year, not really being able to to throw the ball in the teeth of the defense. That's something I commonly saw out of Jalen Hurts throughout that season. They lost a big game in to Missouri, but was were still able to hang on to the college football hopes, obviously. And and they got to a point finally at halftime of of the national championship, and Nick Saban decided to put into a the, the true freshman quarterback who hadn't started a game all year, who they were continuing to go in Jalen Hurts throughout the year. And and I and I remember even saying during that year, I was like, I don't think that Alabama can win the national championship unless Tua goes in. Because Tua, Tua is a passer. And college football is transforming to where you need elite passers, not just running quarterbacks to win national championships, not just game managers to win national championships. You need elite passers. And we see that time after time with Jameis Winston winning it and Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow. It seems like the game has shifted to a point where they're kind of at the NFL level where you need a passer to win the ball game. And I, I mean, there's a lot of different reasons why that could that could be it, but that's what Alabama needed that year. And Tua obviously delivered, putting on just a display of his athleticism, his arm strength, his mind, his really his quick release and quick feet. I mean, he just he played beautifully at the end. Even I mean, making making mistakes, but even at the I mean, the end. I think looking at overtime, he so he was able to get them into overtime, just leading them from behind, converting some fourth downs, some third downs, some he was he was doing a little bit of everything in terms of clutchness during this game. And it's overtime in the national championship, and and it's first and ten, and and Alabama has a chance to win the game here, and 
and Tua drops back and he has a shot to throw this thing out of bounds and he continues to hold on to it and, and takes a bad sack in overtime. I mean, any sack really that's deep in overtime is not a good look. So it's second and 26 and Tua, Tua looks off the safety and delivers a perfect ball down the chute in between the corner and the safety for a touchdown to win the national championship. And it is just, it's, it just caps off an incredible performance and an incredible half of football and, and won Alabama in the national championship that year. And it, yeah, it's just Tua was flying off the radar. And Jake Fromm was also flying off the NFL radar with just his performance that year, also as a true freshman. And then 2018 hit, and it's and it's Heisman hype year for Tua. I personally think he was robbed of the Heisman Trophy by Kyler Murray because of one bat, one game where he got injured. He suffered a high ankle sprain against Georgia in the SEC title game, and Jalen Hurts finished out the game and allowed early Alabama to go to the national championship. It wouldn't if not for Jalen, it wouldn't have been able to go. And and so they beat out Oklahoma. Suck it, Kyler. I mean, I okay, I like Kyler, but at the time, I wasn't a big Kyler guy, mostly because he, he robbed Tua of the, the Heisman. So Alabama loses in the college football championship to Clemson with the new the, the new face of, of college football and Trevor Lawrence, who got replaced the next year by Joe Burrow as face of college football and then returned as the face of college football this year. But... Yeah, I mean, Tua just had a terrific year statistically, just playing with so many NFL players and especially NFL first-round receivers and skill position guys. I mean, Najee Harris, Jalen Waddell, Henry Ruggs, uh, um, Jerry Judy, and uh, what's uh, Dev- Devonta Smith. Just so many, so many good players, so many NFL caliber players at the skill position level for Alabama. And it was really just a perfect storm of skill talent. Them all coming in a freshman in 2017 and and then being able to have just just so much success early on is just so just so special. I mean you don't see this kind of thing happen at at the college level where guys actually are look like they're gonna pan out in the NFL. I mean they haven't panned out yet, but just the athleticism and the the ability that they have, it seems like all of them are going to be pretty good NFL players, which usually isn't the case. I mean, you've had teams at Clemson where they really great at, at the skill position levels, but Todd Boyd wasn't really an NFL caliber quarterback. So having an NFL caliber quarterback getting drafted early and, and somebody who looks, let me looks the part in terms of his play style at college, looks looks like it will translate well to the NFL. And I mean, that play style from Tua is really RPO, West Coast type of quarterback. He He's somebody who he's got a quick release that he, you know, wasn't really just gifted with. He, he constantly worked on. And, you know, he was a really a raw piece of clay during his time in high school that guys like Trent Dilfer, his, even to his father, really worked at and continued to drill at just him and his mechanics to be sound and for his feet to be better. And that's, I mean, it's seeing him at that first week of the Elite 11, Trent Dilfer spoke about that it, he just grew so much in those two weeks of coaching from all these 
these really great quarterbacks coaches and guys who know the position so well. And Tua's really just soaked it all up. And and that, that's the part of Tua's game that people love the most is just his mind and his eagerness to learn. I mean, his so much of his game reminds me, and his personality reminds me of Russell Wilson. Somebody with good feet, athleticism, quick release, and and honestly, just a just a mind that's just so. I guess just can can just soak it up so well, and he he did that at Alabama, just taking ownership of that playbook, and and he did that especially at the Elite Eleven, from what they spoke about there. I mean. Two, two is not going to – doesn't have an overly impressive arm. I mean, I actually – I think his arm strength is is above average for an NFL starting quarterback, and um, it's been questioned at times. And and the, the other thing that's really been questioned at times is his injury history. And 2019 was full of that. He had a high ankle sprain against Tennessee early on, had surgery the next day, and then Returned three weeks later against LSU playing Joe Burrow and company and played all right and, and put together put together a good performance, especially for playing hurt. And yes, I say hurt because then the next game he against Mississippi State, he got hurt again, but it was really serious. This is the big injury where he dislocated his hip, fractured his posterior wall, broke his nose, and even got a concussion all on the same play. Some of that, I, I personally, they, they don't, they don't really blame this on it, the ankle injury, but I, I honestly do blame it on the ankle injury, just not being able to get out of the pocket fast enough, and being able to protect himself. I mean, when you have an uh, a serious ankle sprain, and you're gonna, you're gonna not be able to, to do some of the things that you're used to, and that's when watching Tua. I mean, watching him play with. A bad, his, a bad ankle. Most, I mean, he's had a bad ankle multiple times. I mean, just running through his injury history in 2018, he sprained his knee. In October, the next month, he hurt his left quad. And then that December, he hurt his left ankle. Then in October, he broke his index finger of, of 2019. Then in November 2019, he and that's when he dislocated his hip and had that all those injuries. So it's it's an extensive lower body injury specifically with him, and and it it just it it really changes his game from what I saw. I mean, Tua Tua is somebody that likes to hold on to the ball a lot and likes to be able to make plays late late in late in the play. Like he likes to get to the seven eight seconds in a play be able to move and use his arm and his legs together or separately to, to be able to move. I mean, he's, he's a, he's a fat, he's a quicker quarterback than, than a lot of guys. I mean, he's not, when I, when I spoke about him with Russell Wilson, I don't think he has that kind of athleticism. I mean, Russell was a short, it was an infielder in getting drafted in baseball. Like I don't, I don't think two is at that level, but I, I do think Tua has good speed. I want to see if it if it comes back to the level he had even during his freshman year. I mean, you turn on his freshman year in 2018, early, even 2019, early. He look he looks like a different cat. You know, he looks like somebody who can who can be a threat with his legs, either on the move or extending plays. It looks like he can really do damage that way. So it's. 
that that's something that I I really appreciate. It's not a must in his game. If Tua doesn't have the type of mobility that that he had back in his early days in college, and I think he'll be he'll he'll, he'll do fine because of his mind, because of his his quickness around lease and and he really he, he's able to do well, especially in the RPO game and. The RPO game doesn't necessarily mean that Tua has to be the running threat option. I mean, there's other running threat options in the RPO game. I mean, we see that Nick Foles, that you don't need to have that run element to have a good RPO game. If Tua is able to bring that, I mean, it will definitely definitely challenge defenses a lot more. But it's not a must in his game. And but that's that's the that's the huge question mark to kind of to kind of really dive into Tua is if if he can stay healthy, he's this guy's got a high high ceiling. I mean, he has a, he has a chance to be a top five quarterback in the NFL today. Like like it, it, it won't take long for him to get to that top five quarterback caliber in the NFL. I mean, this is he, he reminds you a lot of Drew Brees just with his accuracy and and his release and. And his, his ability just to lead receivers. I mean, he had some fast receivers at Alabama, and he was able to get the ball into their hands and let them take off. I mean, he's when you look at him and as a quarterback, he just he's a point guard type quarterback. He wants you want him to get the ball into the skill position, guys, because when he does that, it's it's magic because of his ability to read defenses and. And get the ball out with ease and with quickness and confidence. He has confidence when he see when when he's when he's seeing a defense that he knows that where he's going to put the ball in the right position. He doesn't need to see it open. He doesn't need to wait for it to be open. He can he can throw the ball into a spot that he knows is going to be open. And that I mean that's that's it seems like it's one of the reasons why they brought Chan Gailey in just because. He he's worked with with quarterbacks in those West Coast type of schemes before. I, I mean, I'm not the biggest Chan Gailey guy, but I mean, I I do have a, a respect for him and some of the things that he did in in Buffalo with with Ryan Fitzpatrick, and that's another reason why why Chan was probably brought in. And yeah, so I mean, Tua so far it's gone well for him in Miami. He passed his physical in July. They drafted a lot of offensive linemen and, and invested money in the offensive line for this for this coming year and in this draft season and you know they don't have a ton of skilled guys they had, they drafted Mike Isagi a few years ago who's a an, a very athletic tight end but has kind of put up average type numbers so far and they they hit the running back market hard and in investing in Matt Breida and and Jordan Howard, two backs that I, I really like. I mean, I, I like Jordan Howard. I think he would have been an all-star type back about 10 years ago. But now in the past catching league, he doesn't have the speed or the receiving ability to, to be as big of a threat as, as is necessary right now in the NFL. And Matt Breida is, a, is an excellent outside zone runner, as we saw in San Francisco. I mean, he's he's a fast guy who... When you get him on the outside in those zones and allow him to read blockers, I mean, he can he can make house calls like, like like he's getting paid, and because he is getting paid for it. But yeah, and they have Devonte Parker who had a big year, so it's not this Miami offense isn't as desolate as 
as it was a year ago. But, I mean, it, he's going to have his work cut out for him, and that's why it might make sense just to start Fitzmagic, not having the, the media galore that comes with preseason football and training camp battles with no preseason this year. I mean, it seems more likely that Fitzmagic will win the job. And, you know, Fitzmagic did well in, in, in his time last year. I mean, he's we've seen him. He can – he can get you, get you pretty close to the playoffs. I mean, I don't know if he's going to be able to get Miami into the playoffs. I mean, with the, the seven seeds now, the seven playoff teams for each conference now, that might be possible. But, I mean, I, I think this is more of a situation where Tua is eventually going to beat him out just because of how talented Tua is. Not, I mean, Fitzmagic, can, he can do some things with his legs that, that are special. I mean, I don't know how much he'll be able to teach Tua, honestly, in terms of extending plays because Fitzmagic has been known to throw his body on the line and that's the last thing we need Tua doing but there is a lot of good to see in Fitzmagic and that that Tua can learn from him just being in the league so long but but like I said I think Tua's talent level is just so high that that I would be surprised if Fitzmagic can hold the job from him for the entire year I mean it seems like they have something special going down there in Miami. I mean, I I think all of us were kind of surprised with Brian Flores and just the seriousness he had last year and in a tank season that Miami was in and that their GM and ownership were really committed to. Didn't seem like Flores was, which which was, which turned out to be an okay thing because they still got Tua, but. Yeah, I mean, this is a special kid, special character. His teammates loved him. His coaches loved him. He, he's gonna, he's a, he's the guy you want as your face of the franchise. It's not somebody that you're nervous about putting behind center, really, other than the injury history. Yeah, I mean, I love Tua. Trent Dilver loves Tua. Miami loves Tua, and it's all for good reason. I mean. If, if he can stay healthy, this is a special kid who's just – he's got a lot going for him, and it's it's tough. It was it was tough to see him get injured last year and just just have him go through all that. And and, and those trials hopefully will make him stronger and, and make his faith stronger and 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 really just, just, just help him to be um, a, a better a – be, a better follower of – of Christ and also a better quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. So I hope you guys enjoyed this Elite Eleven series. I was I was happy to cover to it today and and it and it is special to see the type of kid he is and and uh, and the Miami Dolphins and Dolphins fans and my my friend Peter should be very happy that that the Dolphins have Tua and 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 he is. He's a big Dolphins fan. And yeah, and so I, I thank you guys for, for checking out this Elite 11 series and checking out my podcast, Mongo in the Morning. I didn't really know what it, it was going to be like or sound like. And, and I feel like we've kind of figured out our, 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 our kind of goal in this podcast and just education on the quarterback position and really the personalities and the, the play style of quarterbacks and, and what to look for in one. And, and and so kind of and and seeing that, I think it'll be good to cover in our next series the NFL legends, legends of past and present.
And we're going to be taking a look at some of the quarterbacks that have really made an impact on the position in all of history from the very early days of football to to now in Joe Burrow and, and Tua Tungavailoa. I mean, we're, we're not going to cover Tua again in like an episode like this, but but like two quarterbacks like him. And we're just going to be taking a look at how the position has changed throughout the years and and what things haven't changed from the very beginning days. And, and I, I mean, this is going to be a, a fun research project for me. I haven't really seen a lot of quarterbacks play in my lifetime, only being born in 1997. So I don't know. A lot of the, the stuff I have is highlight tapes, but I'm going to be checking a look at taking a look at some of the, the old films of, of days of old and, and really uh, humanizing, I think, the, the quarterbacks from, from the olden days and not just focusing on the, the good things that they did at the position or in history, but humanizing them and seeing the fuller picture, which we, we, can, we can have a tendency to blur at times when looking at quarterbacks of old and anything of old. But, I mean, we might have a few mini-series in between the NFL legends. I, I've gotten requests to cover some coaching trees, and, and I think that would be a fun mini-series. So I think that might be the next episode before we get to our legend series. And we might sprinkle some of those coaching trees in in between the, the legends podcast. So thank you guys for checking out this podcast and this series. I, I hope you guys continue to, to listen and, 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 and be a part of Mongo Nation. So thank you guys very much. Mongo out.